0: If you're not sure what it is that you're gonna do, if you're like, gosh, I don't wanna do what I'm doing and I really love the idea of doing my own thing but I'm not sure what that would be, think about a problem that is happening in your world. Think about something that um, that doesn't exist and would be great if it exists because, and you would love if it existed and but it's just not there and solve that. Think about solving that, how might you solve that? Could that be one angle? That's the sort of creative brain work that can help you get to that place, and especially if it involves something that you love. This is a great... Sorry. All right. on the top. (laughs) This is a great question on work.
1: We ask great questions on the future of work. We interview artists, entrepreneurs, and masters in their field. This show operates on two levels. First is a tool of empowerment. We give you actionable ideas on how to gain and create new employment and improve how you currently work.
0: We also spotlight the success of local artists and business owners by asking them great questions. What
1: a great question. Such a great question. Yeah, that's a
0: great question. That's a great question.
1: Oh, what a great question. Hello, Katie here. And in this week's episode, we join Julie Kearns in her group discussion on how to run your own show. Julie runs her own show. She is the owner of Junket Tossed and Found, which is a Minneapolis vintage shop. She shares her amazing story of turning loss into an opportunity. Julie begins this discussion by talking about her story. In 2009, Julie's marriage fell apart two weeks after having her first child. With half of her family's income gone, she did not know how she would support herself and her new daughter. She became depressed. She lost a bunch of weight. She had to buy new clothes at thrift stores, and then she would sell her old clothes at consignment shops. And then she realized she was making a profit buying and selling used clothes. Fast forward three years to 2012. Julie bought a retail storefront in South Minneapolis to sell high-quality used goods. Her store has expanded to 3,000 square feet and is open daily. Here's Julie's story on how she went from a thrift shopper to a successful business owner. This is the edited version of the hour-and-a-half discussion Julie led. If you'd like to hear the entire discussion, please check it out on our website, greatquestionshow.com. Here's Julie. She's great. Enjoy.
0: As I look back on it now, what I thought at the time was the worst possible thing that could happen to me was the best possible opportunity to, to create profound and positive change. That's the piece I want you to be thinking about as you think about your lives and what's going on, too, because it's a huge, it was, I mean, it was devastating and life-changing and transformational, and, um, and I would do it again in a heartbeat, which is the craziest thing. Um, so, so I lost 50 pounds, and I still had a corporate gig. I would get up in the morning and put my kid in my little baby, you know, baby wrap, and we would march downtown together because i had a downtown job and she went to take care downtown and i needed clothes that i could actually wear to that office job and having lost 50 pounds i didn't have anything that fit and then how many of you are familiar with the goodwill outlet okay i knew that if i needed little girl's size 12 clothing which is what i needed at that point i could go and for 50 cents i'd pick up t-shirts and you know pants might be a dollar and so that's what i did um and i didn't really think much of it because i was trying to get through my corporate job and trying to get through this crazy loss and trying to figure out how to raise this little little peanut who was, you know, amazing and, and female, and as a woman who had just gone through this thing, I was also trying to figure out how do I create um, and set an example for her? What, what do I do? I'm a single mom. I've already failed this as far as I was concerned. And, and a couple of months passed, and, and, well, I started to heal, and I started to gain a little bit more weight, and the size 12 didn't fit anymore, so I had to go back and get the little girl size 14. And so I took the size 12 to consignment. And I didn't think about it. Life, again, just continued. And I continued to try to heal and work, start a divorce process and all these crazy things. And then one day I went to the consignment shop. And they itemize. Their, when, you, when you've sold things, they itemize and they tell you, you know, what you've sold and how much they sold it for and how much you get for it. And I noticed that a shirt that I had picked up in the little girl size 12 days had just sold for $10. I had paid about 50 cents for that shirt and they paid me $5. And in my brain, $4.50 is not very much, but a 900% return on investment was worth pursuing. And that was my eureka moment and that was the time when all of a sudden the light bulbs went on. I knew that I couldn't pay, you know, pay $2 for something and sell it for $4, but if I could if I could figure this like crack this nut on 50 cents to a margin like that, that was something that might have the potential to allow me to be a stay-at-home mom someday. <laughs> I was very aware there was going to be a hell of a lot of work in between, right? Because you know, 450, you need to repeat that, you know, a couple times, hundred times to get to 450 dollars, <laughs> and that's not going to be anywhere near the mortgage, right? So, uh, so it was crazy, and it, it, I mean, it was a little crazy, but it also was it was the the purpose, and and for me, the desire was to one save face with a failed marriage that was very public and everyone knew we had a brand new baby we couldn't hide from it and i just was feeling that and i wanted to i I felt pretty strongly and was compelled to demonstrate what i was made of kind of in a a way Um, but also the ability to reclaim something that i had negotiated that obviously hadn't worked out which was to be able to be in a position where i could put my daughter first and not have a corporate job where i had to report to somebody else with my time and um and so it was that combination of, hey, if I could do that, and I could do that, that's worth my energy, that's worth the time, that's worth a lot of laundry and a lot of running around and dry crack knuckles from <clears throat> digging through clothes and all of the things that went into getting that to a place where I had a chance to test that market. I think that there's a pretty critical piece to think about when it comes to running your own show, and especially when you go from working for someone else to running your own show. And I don't know anyone who's made that jump independently, especially not without, a, without spousal or partner income, etc. Um, I don't know anyone who's done that without Moonlighting. Not successfully. And so, so the side gig, you're going to want to work the side gig. And, and you're going to want it to be something that you enjoy doing well enough that you're happy to do it for 20 hours a week after coming home from your 40 hour a week job. Because if you can't imagine enjoying and getting excitement out of it, you may need to rethink the strategy. And if, um, the other piece to consider is that if you think about it and the idea of raging success makes you wonder if you're going to have a life after that because it takes you 47 minutes to sew a skirt that you're going to sell for $20, that, you know, you kind of got to do the math both in terms of what you project and what you um, what your time how much time you realistically have as you're thinking about your ideas and analyzing up front. That's the other thing I want you to think about is is that as you have ideas and as you have dreams, just because they don't work out in this moment doesn't mean that they won't work out later. I have had so many different things that I've thought about over the years or ideas that I've gathered in a file over the years come back and be relevant now when they weren't relevant five years ago, three years ago. So if you've got a good idea, don't nix it because it didn't work once, keep trying. Um, and um, and keep failing because it's a really powerful way to learn what doesn't work so that you can get better at finding what does. So, so I got going on this crazy thing and, and when my daughter had visitation with her dad for four hours, I would run over to Goodwill and I would thrift through and find the Banana Republics and, the, and sometimes the really super good stuff but I would find the scores and the things that initially would fit me but then as I got better at it and get better at testing, I started buying things that wouldn't fit me if the consignment stores didn't take them. Because the consignment stores, don't, they don't take everything. Um, and so in doing that, um, I took on some risk. It was, it was meager risk, but the upside potential of the return made it worth taking on the risk. Um, I'm going to pause for another moment and share that each step of the way, the decisions I've made to grow this business have been the least risky. Opening the store was the least risky because the alternative had me well outgrowing my house, and, and it, there was chaos at the house. And I did the math, and it made sense, and I went for it. Um, but so be thinking about all of these incremental steps that you can be making once you've got your idea and you're working it, and just know that each day that you make progress, that that matters and it makes a difference. Um, so that was that, and over the course of a couple of you know a couple months, I well and you know longer than that, I started to accrue. The clothing that didn't fit me and that didn't, um, that also didn't get taken by the consignment shop. So now I had this secondhand clothes that was, you know, that I'd taken the time to launder. So I had some investment in it, kind of sitting in the basement. Well, as that accrued, I'm like, well, how can I move that? Um, and I found so- I I didn't want to do eBay. eBay sounds like a pain in the butt. eBay is a lot of work and measuring clothes to type in my basement, and I like that was not of interest. And so I decided I'd try and find someone else who knew how to do that and might do that on consignment because I had all this stuff. Um, and I got really lucky. There was a woman who lives in um, just north of Minneapolis who was doing that as a business at that point. And she was willing to take on the stuff that the consignment stores didn't want and it on eBay for me. And as soon as I started getting checks from her, not only did I realize that there was a much more lucrative model than the consignment model I was on, but I also got off my butt and started doing eBay because I was making way more from her with the castoffs and I was still paying her a 40% commission. And and so, again, this was opportunity. And it was also, hey, you know what? I just got over that hurdle because of what's in it for me, right? So if you could think about, you know, just be open to, you know, hey, I would do this, but these are the circumstances that need to be right. And if you can get clear about that, it makes it really easy, easy to say no, not until, or yes, you know, now what? Um, so, yeah, I grew to that. and And then the eBay thing you know, still, oh gosh, there was a lot of time invested in eBay. It took a lot of time to list things individually. And so I still had stuff piling up because I was doing the consignment stores and doing the leftovers. And, um, and so I decided to start doing sales in my house. And so I invited friends over and, and rather than try and price the clothing, I just said, everything's $5, come on over. And the sales then kind of steamrolled. And I was making four figures, uh, you know, at a garage sale and, and doing pretty well with clothing sales in my house. And 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 that went. And yet, it was also still a lot of work. Um, And side note, as that was happening, I still had my day job. I found out that my company was doing layoffs, and I was like, "Huh." They weren't taking volunteers, and um, I was like, "Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll volunteer anyway." It's good to see you, by the way. Um, And I went to my boss and just was careful about it, you know. But again, this was an opportunity where it felt scary. I, so I just went into my boss, and I'm like, I really enjoy being here. I'm not telling you I don't want to be here. Um, I can continue being happy here. But if you want to, you know, if if I'm in the mix, and if this makes your decision easier, I can help. And it worked. And a week later, um, he and the HR person and I hugged it out in the, the, in the, you know, the office with the paper over the windows, and they were crying. And I went, I left and went through shopping afterwards. I mean, like, it was, like, it was so, like... It was like awesome. I guess I need inventory. So um, right. So so again, a layoff, that's some scary stuff for a lot of people. It's also opportunity if you're if you're ready for it and you're looking for it and you're thinking about it. Um, so that was big. I did not go out and open a shop for another year and a half. It was not my intention to open a shop. I wasn't thinking, Oh my gosh, I want to retail you know, I wanna run a retail shop and I wanna be in a store for, you know, six hours, seven days a week or whatever. I just that is not something that that fits my personality I like to grow things and build things and find things and the dopamine effect of thrifting is awesome but i also don't want to be obligated to have to go find things so it wasn't really what i was um aiming for i had all this crap coming into my house and every time i had guests coming i had to like pack it into the closets and the whatever you know right and so a friend suggested that i do a vintage sale in my house and i was just like you know what that sounds like my own private hell. I, I mean, like, right? But I'll do it once. Let's do it once, and we'll see what happens. And if it works once, that's going to be my, you know, and if I can earn X, that will be my justification to find a place that's X amount of rent. I'll do one sale, you know, one sale a month. And if I can drive, you know, and I think my number was, if I can drive $3,000 worth of traffic to my house in a residential neighborhood, I should be able to drive $3,000 worth of traffic to uh, a storefront, in a commercial, you know, once a month for an event. So that was kind of the, the idea or the logic. Long story short, that was the start of the shop. And it was never one weekend a month. It was two weekends a month initially, and it was two weekends a month for the first year and a half. Started thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? If other people want to participate, that would actually give me help. And I could help other businesses. And if I can get this space verbally rented by X date and my and the landlord is willing to be flexible with me in this way. I can make it. I can make it work. And so I put the feelers out, and I had that thing rented before I had a key, before I before I even had legal access to. I mean, like it was, it just came together like this. And we had probably two dozen vendors step in that really wanted to do that. We took on two dozen vendors. It went great. Um, it was crazy. We had you know fifteen thousand dollar weekends for the first couple of weekends that we were open, and that I hadn't expected. That being said, it was a challenging model funding wise because I was paying consignment stuff out to so many people so over the course of time now as I've had opportunity as it's gotten more stable and as people have chosen to move on we've filled in with our product and our margins have increased and our margins have increased dramatically within the last two years because that has we've been able to go from paying somebody 75% to finding things that are really low right really low margin my the 900% I don't stick to that like Blue these days but it needs to be a good return if you're spending time and individually pricing it and cleaning it and all those things when it comes to the vintage things so um, so yeah our, our returns are much better for our product obviously and so we just it is less risky to not have rent each time we know what we see the the return on our, our you know product investments. so um, so today we're 3,000 square feet another just piece as you're thinking about going out and doing your own thing Before you quit your day job, line up the credit that you think you might need. Don't spend or plan to spend your retirement on your first year in business because you're going to need it in year two and year three or something. When something goes awry, you're going to wish you had that backup. So as you're planning, back to the money thing, be really careful and really conservative. And think about it as the long game. This part of the journey (coughs) is about getting to that place where things start, right? Packing and preparing and getting your things in order is part of the journey, right? And every day that you wake up and are a step toward and closer to what you're working on is part of the journey. And you've got to find a way to love the journey. So, and what that means is finding a way to be really passionate and excited about where it is that you're going. Um, so at the end of the day, if you don't, if you don't know where that is very specifically, the journey is going to be a mess, too. So the, I, my strongest piece of advice is think really hard about, is this something I can get up every day? And love doing even when it's hard. Even when I'm eating toast for a week straight. Even when, oh my gosh, I gotta come up with $30,000 within the next month and a half to cover this, 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 and this, because I didn't plan very well. Or because we had road construction, or because, right? I mean, like seven months of road construction certainly makes things interesting. So our 3,000 <laughs> 3, square feet, um, we're open daily. Um, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. every single day. I have chosen, when I've been faced with a decision to either back off or kick up the throttle, to think about how it's perceived when I back off or kick up the throttle. What is, what is my community going to think if I say, oh, I'm going to close on Mondays now? They're gonna, you know, the, the impression is, oh, that must not be going so well. Do the math. It might make a lot of sense for you to bring somebody in, right? If if you can have somebody stab your shop for sixty four dollars a day and you're going to make two hundred dollars a day, why would you not um, by being open that day? So find ways. Just be creative and think through these details. And obviously, that's a retail model, but um, but there are other ways to do that. When I was when I was um, getting going, um, there were times when I paid for a house cleaner. I lived at my house at all the time that I might need. I was self employed. I was scraping, but you know what? That took so much energy and time that I could be doing and that was so worth doing other things for That from time to time I made those decisions and it wasn't frivolous and it wasn't continual But it allowed me to invest in my business the time and energy I needed to take the next step And so be creative about that and really think about what your time's worth Because that's, that's the most limited resource that we're dealing with here You can make more money, but you can't make more time In my case I found, I found a need, I found an opportunity to solve a problem and that, was my, that was, and, and that was a mission that became that excitement for me about making this thing happen. So if you're not sure what it is that you're going to do, if you're like, gosh, I don't want to do what I'm doing, and I really love the idea of doing my own thing, but I'm not sure what that would be, think about yeah. a problem that is happening in your world. Think about something that, um, that doesn't exist. It would be great if it exists, because, and you would love if it existed, and, but it's just not there. And solve that. Think about solving that. How might you solve that? Could that be one angle? That's the sort of creative brain work that can help you get to that place, and especially if it involves something that you love. That You know what? That's um,
1: that's a great question. You're listening to The Great Question on Work on Frogtown Radio, WFNU 94.1 FM. Empowering communities one great question at a time. To hear more of the great question on
0: work, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Visit us at greatquestionshow.com. There you can ask us great questions on work and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter.
1: And you can ask your great question on the great question line.
0: What number is that, Katie?
1: That's a great question. You can find it on our website, greatquestionshow.com.